Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Miss Susan, why don't you start us with yes, a word of yes, prayer sir. and over yes, sir. Kind Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this day. We are so Hallelujah. grateful for having you in our lives. And we can yes. come to you boldly and eulogize you for being so kind and loving to us. Father, yes. forgive Hallelujah. us for our sin of omission and commission. Father, I'm yes. covering yes. myself the listener, and our family member, that we will not get any backlashes from this prayer. Now, Father, we are lifting up Anita and her family. And those we don't know, Lord, that are sick, but you know who they are. We are presenting them up before you in the name of Jesus. And, God, you are so kind and loving. Yeah. You know who Baba who need prayer. So yeah, those yeah. that I don't know, you know. And yeah. we are lifting them up in prayer. Because we know that your hand is not too short. That you cannot reach. Your ears are not heavy. That you cannot hear. And Lord, we just thank you for all the things that you are going to do for us. And God, yes. continue to prepare our heart and mind to receive your rhema word on this morning. Yes. Bless the overseer of this ministry and his family. Continue yes. to give him and his family favor yes. with everyone they need safer from. And God, we give you all the praise. Yes. Because all the praise goes to you. And you said no man will take your glory and your praise. So we just give all your praise and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Glory. much for joining on this beautiful Sunday morning. And um, it is such an awesome privilege, um, you know, to just like uh, even do this service on Sunday morning. It, it just like uh, energizes our spirit, our soul, and our mind, you know. I'm going to ask Ms. Sarah and, uh, you know, team on the line to put themselves on a mute. Uh, we wanted to welcome all the 
uh, podcasters who are listening to this. Uh, may God bless you and use you mightily that this will be a, a, a source of energy for you. As we are, you know, the, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about like a, how God, you know, was giving details after details after details about, you know, how his house has to be. How should his temple be, right? And if we look at the, the verses on the Bible, it's just like a so clear on like a, you know, how much like a, a length should be that the, each individual furniture inside the temple, how breadth should be, how deep should any of these things. First, I did not realize, you know, why is God doing this much, um, you know, of like a detail? And then I realized, you know, this morning, I was actually going to Starbucks, you know, to pick up a, a, a tea, just a tea, right? So I was telling this guy, I just need a chai tea when I heard, the, uh, you know, so the lady on the other line asking for the order. I said, I need a chai tea, uh, 1% milk. Uh, I, I just need, um, you know, um, uh, 10 shots of chai. Uh, I need the milk heated extra. And I said, no foam. I was like giving so much of instructions just for a tea. If, if that is the case for just like a tea that you drink, how much more? God cares about his presence, the land. Uh, and he says he wants to dwell in this place. He wants to be reigning over this place. That's why he was giving so much of detail. In fact, in the Bible, there are 50 chapters, not verses, 50 chapters where God is giving very clear instructions on how his temple should be from you know, uh, Leviticus to Exodus to all over. He's talking about tabernacle and how each of these elements within the tabernacle should be placed, right? And, and the thing is this. When I read about the, the, the verses in Exodus chapter 25, if you have your Bible, I want you to go to Exodus chapter 25. I'm going to read from verses 1 through 8. Before we get into the showbread that we are in right now, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for, for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them gold silver and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skin, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamp, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrance incense, onyx stones, and stones for setting, for the apart, and for the breast piece, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I showed you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of the furniture, so you shall make it. <laughs> 
I was wondering, how did these people get all of these things? I thought they were in, in slavery for 400 years. In fact, they were there in the slavery for 430 years. The first 30 years it was a blessed time with Joseph being sitting on the power. He was just like a blessing his people. But then the next 400 years, they were eating garlic and onion, and it was just like a poor, like a, you know, uh, diet um, plan that they had. How did they manage to... Why? How can God just ask for these things? And I realized when they were leaving Egypt, when the last plague happened, that place, the, 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 the place where the people who lost their sons and who lost their daughters, the firstborn, they were actually giving the Israelites, the children of God, the plunder. They were giving their gold. They were giving their silver. They were giving their wealth over to the, the children of Israel so they can actually go away from them. And, and this morning, what that reminds us is this, that God is a God of a provisioner. That's what we saw last week when we looked at like a, the showbread we saw how a mighty provider he is. I do not know what your needs are, but God knows how to give good things for his children. He, he, he fed the, the, the children of Israel for 40 years in the, in the desert, walking around. He was, nobody was complaining in the desert. It doesn't look like a, they had like a, a shopping malls. I, I don't think they had access to Amazon. They don't have anything that they had, but their clothes were lasting. Their slippers, their sandals didn't wear out. They, 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 they were provisioned to have like a food. There's nothing that we should be just like worried about. If he is the king, if he is still sitting on the throne, there is nothing that you and I should be worried about. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. You know, and we saw last week also a little bit about the Psalm chapter 1, how we meditate on the word of God. Um, and then we moved on to like, a, you know, how... God wants to have a fellowship with us in, in Revelation chapter 3, verses 20. And this morning, I wanted to very quickly go down to the third point. The, the breaking of a bread represents his continuous presence in you and me. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 25, verses 30, place the bread of presence on the table to remain before me all the times. It, it's talking about the, the presence of the Lord amongst them. When you walk into the temple, right? When you come from outer court into the temple, this place where they call it as a holy place, right? There are three things in that holy place. There is a bread in one side. The northern side, there is a bread. And then on the southern side, there is a light. And then in the right, in the front, there is a bowl of incense. 
But we'll come to all of those things. Why is this important? When I read in several places, this is the place where the worshipers were in the heavens. The place, the northern side is where the worshipers were. The northern side is where the, the, the sun uh, and the sons of worship were standing. This is where Lucifer had his choir. The northern side is where he had his team of people. Right? And the thing is this, the, the northern side is what, you know, the, the Lucifer thought he can take control and not have his presence. And God says, you know, that's where I'm actually not going to give you and access to, because that's the place where I still want to hold the northern side is mine, says the Lord. This is where my people are going to come and eat with me. This is the place where they will, you know, get their daily bread from. This is where they're going to be encouraged and sourcing their energy. God says, that, that place is mine. That presence is mine. I'm not going to sacrifice that presence to you. In fact, he says, like, you know, in that table, why would he want to specifically put so much importance? It's because he's putting a table right there in the northern side, and he's putting, like, all these bread on top of it, and we read it in Leviticus 24, verses 5 through 9. We read all about, like, how many pieces of bread it should be. It's a two rows of bread. It's talking about all kinds of details in that place, right? But here's the thing. What is so important is that God is a jealous God. He is a God who will never leave you, not forsake you. There is nothing that we today need that he cannot provide. And the Bible says, like, you know, on the Sabbath day, this is where, remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about, like, uh, how these guys created, like, a 613 laws, you know. There is this showbread, and then there is, like, a cup, there is, like, a can. They were, you know, putting all kinds of rules around how to wash it, how to keep it, north side facing, east side facing, all those things. But the thing is when God instituted the showbread and the table, what he instituted is this. The 12 breads on the table says, I am with you, irrespective of, you know, how big or small you are. This represents the 12 tribes for whom God is just like a put a table to have a dinner with them. Remember we saw last week, uh, Revelations chapter 3, 20, he wants to have a dinner with us. But here, God says, at the dinner table, I'm not going to pick and choose who's going to sit next to me. I'm going to pick and choose every one of you because the very fact that I put this table is because I want to have my presence to go before you. And the thing is this, I was just like a, you know, reading through, Another passage in Exodus chapter 33, 
there was one point in time God was just like a completely upset with the people. He even calls in chapter 33, you stiff-necked people. God is saying like, you guys are so, you know, rigid. You're not even changing a bit. You know, here's what I'm going to do. You guys, go ahead. Because you think you can get like all these things done by your strength. No problem. In fact, I will do this. I will put an escort service for you. Those angels will go before you. I'm not going to take that light that's going before you or the, the pillar of uh, you know, smoke and all these things. You guys can carry on because you think you have figured out me, right? A lot of times we cannot figure out God. We cannot tell how big and magnificent is his presence. And Moses knew about it. Moses goes to the mountain because they're now at the, at the outskirts of Mount Sinai. They're camped around there. And Moses goes to the mountain to speak to God. And this time, God says, okay, you can move on. I'm not going to come with you. Let me send you a couple of angels to go with you because I am still committed to you, God. Because he was like so upset with their grumbling, right? And that's when Moses goes up and he says to God, God, I pray that if, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. He's pleading for the people. You and I, you know, are living in a society where our job is not managed and manipulated by the people around us. There are so many hurting people around us, and God says, you know, if, if my presence, if his presence is there in the midst of our conversation, everything's going to happen. If it's not, none of those things that we think that's going to happen are going to happen. And God was so particular in this moment in time, he was going to take his presence, and that's why Moses was pleading today morning, I'm here to tell you, there is only one thing that you and I need in order for us to have a victorious life, which is his presence. And God says to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not bring us up from here. Do not let us go from here. He still wanted to stay here unless your presence goes before us. And God decided because of the pleading of Moses, you and I are the intercessors needing to plead for nothing but his presence. Because when his, a lot of times when we are praying, we are asking God to just like a, it's as if like a, we are inside a prison cell and that we are asking God to come and open that prison cell so he can free us from what we are going through. But what God is saying is that when you are going through the tough time, I'm actually sitting with you inside that cell. 
Think about like a, how much powerful it is for you to fight your battle if God is still with you inside rather than God just like open the door so you can be freed. And that's what Moses is asking for this morning. My prayer is that uh, you and I will never leave his presence. Psalmist is saying in 139, 7 through 10, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. My point this morning, my saints, is this. The showbread is an, another example where God is saying, let me go with you. Let my presence go with you. That's the northern side where the worship team was led by Lucifer. I kicked him out because of who and what he was trying to do. He was trying to take my presence away from you. But that's why I put the showbread in that very corner to tell that enemy he doesn't have a place in the holy place anymore. Number four, this showbread is an invitation to the marriage supper. This is a sign um, that we are, you know, invited to his uh, wedding. Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 through 10 talks about it. I'm going to briefly touch on it. It says, uh, right in verse 9, chapter 19, verses 9, Revelation, it says, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. John, when he was in heaven, he saw and heard, you know, what was happening. And he saw a marriage, a wedding reception where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was just like a coming in. And here, what he saw was a celebration of the wedding. This morning, God is inviting us to his wedding, letting us know that showbread is, is, is a sign for us. One day, we'll spend with him in eternity. And, and, and there is like a, a huge resemblance to what was happening, and it's still happening in India too. First, they will get engaged a year before the, the wedding happens. And then they will start to prepare. Our weddings go for five to seven days of preparation time. And then the bride will, you know, will come and take a bridegroom and take him home. And he's coming to take us home. This morning, as I'm transitioning over to Miss Katina, here's my prayer for you and me, that one day we'll all see each other in that banquet. We'll all have a dinner together with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Miss Katina. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, First, I'd like to give honor to God and just thank him for 
this opportunity. Thank him for this day. Thank him for just knowing that there would be a moment in time. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm, okay. So, um, having some technical difficulties, but God is in control. Amen. So we're going to, we're going to move forward. You guys apparently can hear me, but I can't hear you. So I'm just going to, um, keep going. I'm getting some texts that say that I, you guys can hear me. Okay. Giving honor to God and thanking him for being the head over all things. He is all-knowing, all-doing. I tell you, he has a sense of humor because I was worried that my presentation was not long enough, so he fixed it, whereas I would probably have just the right amount of time that I need to be able to um, to bring forth the word of God, from the word from him. So I'm just asking that, Holy Spirit, you take the reign right now. God, just allow me to be focused right now. Allow me to not think about anything other than what I need to be thinking about right now. Allow the people on this line to be able to receive whatever it is that you desire for them to receive. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, God. I want to thank my husband for being everything that I need in this time. I thank him for being support. I thank him for being a mentor. I just thank him for just everything that he does along the way. He's just awesome. He's, I thank him for his prayers. I thank him for his encouragement. I thank Cyril for, protect, for uh, creating a platform such as this to allow me to be able to come and share with you what the Lord has given me. So um, I do want to start off by um, – mentioning that we're going to talk about the table of showbread. And, um, you know, we've learned a lot of things about the table of showbread over the last uh, couple of weeks. And um, I like bread. Like, this is just so fitting, fitting that Sarah would ask me to come and be able to talk about how the, what, how the, what the table means to us and how we can uh, work this into our daily lives, like exactly what it is that we should take away knowing about the table of showbread. And it's funny because anybody that knows me knows that I love bread. I like any kind of bread. I like white bread, wheat bread, whole grain bread, rye bread, sourdough bread, pumpernickel. And let's not talk about the bread that you get from Texas Roadhouse with that honey butter. I love me some bread. When I go to a restaurant, one of the things that I love is the experience of the bread. If you bring me a nice warm basket of bread with the right butter, not the cold butter that's hard that you can't even spread it on the bread. I like the bread to be the, the butter to be room, room temperature so that when you slice into it and you go to spread it across the bread, it's an easy application. You know, I, I think it's not even the food for me that I walk away with. It's the bread. It's the experience that I have had with the bread that makes me return. And God wants us to be able to have that same type of experience in him. He wants us to be able to like it so much and remember the experience so much that we will want to return. We want to go back there and revisit that same place so that we can receive more. Amen? So in Talking about the table of showbread, you know, we learned that this bread is a gift from God. 
as seen plenty of times throughout Scripture. <clears throat> the people were always in need of something, and God always showed up and provided a supernatural gift in a way that only he could. Our Heavenly Father always takes care of his children. He provides, and his provision is always sufficient unto those who humble themselves before him and seek him out. God wants to be invited into our lives. He wants to know that whatever we're lacking need of, he already knows this. And he's just waiting for us to ask for his provision. Amen? And I want to talk about, you know, um, my brother. So my brother, for those of you who've heard my mother's testimony, um, my, the middle, with three of us, this is the middle child I'm talking about, he was incarcerated for about nine years. And he recently got out in July, I believe it was. So it's been about five months or so he found a job in the month of December. So God didn't forget the promises for, that he had for him. God didn't forget that when he was released that he was going to need a job. God, God did not forget about him. The same way how he never forgot about the children of Israel, the same way how he never forgets about us back then, he don't forget about us now. God knew that he was going to need to be able to provide for himself and be able to provide for his family. So God blessed my brother. He had the job already lined up for him that he knew that he was going to provide for him. And that's, that's what I love about him because we sit and we fret and we sit and we try to figure out exactly the who, what, when, where, and how, when God's already got it under control. And, you know, we were praying for my brother while he was away. We went to the Lord daily, and we prayed. We ate of the bread, the bread of provision, and we asked God to provide for him when he was released. And God heard our prayers. And he honored our prayers. And because of that, you know, my brother was able to find a job. He's working. You know, he started out on a temporary basis. But God opened the door, and now he's going to be hired on full time. So he now has a full going to be going to have a full time job with benefits. So how awesome is that? So we are always provided for when we cover our family and our friends before the Lord. Another point that we learned about the bread is that the bread is the bread of life, which is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as mentioned in John 6 and 35. Yet again, God gave to his people. What did he give this time? He gave his only begotten son. He knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and he knew that we couldn't pay the debt of sin, so he sent his son to pay our ransom and set us free. So let's think about something. One of the scriptures that comes to mind is Second Chronicles seven fourteen through 15. And it says that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their evil ways, their wicked ways, that I will hear them and I will hear from heaven and I will answer their prayers and I will heal their land. So what if? The healing that our land, our land today, what is the healing of the land that we need to be rid of this coronavirus is in the humble prayers of the people. What if God is waiting for a watching world to collectively humble themselves, pray, seek his faith, turn from their wicked ways, and then 
he will hear us and he will heal our land. We have to remember to cover our people and our world with the bread of life. So the manna, the bread that's on the altar of showbread is there for us to be able to go and cover our people and our world with the bread of life. We also learned that the bread is also the word, as mentioned in Matthew 4 and 4. It is our spiritual food that nourishes our mind, body, soul, spirit, and heart. It is sweet like honey, and it is a spiritual sustenance for us daily, as the Lord's Prayer states. When we seek him diligently in his word, we find him, and he will be all that we need him to be, almighty provider. His plan is for us to succeed and not to fail to live and not die, to be good and not evil, to have exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. We are more than a conqueror when we go after his word. Whatever God does, it shall prosper, says his word. So, you know, I've been open recently about my experience with anxiety, and it is a daily work that I have to do. I have to daily make a choice, sacrifice my time, sacrifice what it is that I want to do. It is a daily choice that I have to eat of the manna, which is the bread and the word of God that is provided to me, that will sustain me mentally each day. I have to chew on it. I have to meditate on it when I'm feeling an episode coming on. You know, there are a couple of scriptures that I recite that sustain me. Philippians 4, 6, and 8, I don't have to be careful for anything, but through everything, through prayer, thanksgiving, and supplication, I make my request known towards God, and so forth and so on as the scripture goes. And then there is also Matthew 6 and 34. These scriptures are my lifeline, and before I can even think about being anxious, the word has provided peace, praise, and joy over my life, and I finally feel like, okay, I got this. I can get through this. And as much as I would like to eat that Texas Roadhouse bread and eat away my anxiety with that natural food, that's not the type of food that I need that's going to heal me or help me. I need the type of food that is going to fulfill my mind, body, soul, and heart, not something that is just a temporary filler. I need total healing over this thing called anxiety. I have to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto me. The word is everything that we need when we need it. And I encourage you to cover your vulnerabilities with the word of God and see how God shows up in your life. We also learned that the word is the, uh, the that we also learned that the bread is symbolic of sharing. It is not to be hoarded. It is not selfish. It is meant to be shared among the people as Jesus multiplied the bread and fed a multitude of people. My husband and I, some years back, we received an invitation to go and fellowship with people that were different than how we look. You know, and I encourage you, you know, to talk to people, interact with people that doesn't look like you. So they invited us into their home. We drove about two hours away down to Gloucester, Virginia, 
and they prepared a nice place for us. We had a nice bedroom. We had robes and slippers. You know, we had a wonderful dinner. They grilled uh, steaks on the grill that night, and we also had grilled asparagus. I mean, they shared no expenses when it came down to making us feel comfortable in their home. After dinner, we were able to sit out on the deck, and I saw the glory of God in that moment. Two people, different ages from different walks of life, and God was in that moment because after dinner, we were having a conversation about God. We were having a conversation about the glory of him. And I looked up into the sky, and I saw a blanket of stars unlike anything I had ever seen before. And I was reminded of God's creation. I was reminded that God was in that moment. And that's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to hoard, you know, the greatness of him. He wants us to share with other people, like I'm sharing with you the experiences that we have with him. He wants to invite us in. He wants to prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies so that when we leave, we have such an awesome experience and a life-changing experience in him that we can't wait to go back and tell somebody about a man, tell somebody about the goodness of him, tell somebody about how he saved me and how he changed me, and he can do the same thing for you. So let's share the word of God. You know, this manna is meant to be shared amongst the people of God. We also learned that the bread is an invitation of marriage, as it talks about in Revelation 19.9. Now, the marriage is available to all who accept the proposal from the bridegroom, who is Jesus, who is coming back for his bride, which is you and me. This is the ultimate union. There are no, no divorces here, no infidelity, no heartbreak, no unhealthy communication, no lies, only truth. And the truth is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ, our bridegroom, who shows up every time. This marriage is eternal. He will come to claim his bride and save us from this perilous world. Through this intimate union, we are safe. Jesus just wants, to, wants us to love him the way that he loves us. He wants us to communicate with him the way that he communicates with us intimately, unlike anything that we could ever experience on this earthly realm. He wants to love on us and tell us things in secret that only he can reveal to us and show us through the word of God. He wants to be the one. Aren't we always saying that we're looking for the one, the one who checks all the boxes? We're looking for our soulmate and so forth and so on. Well, I come to tell you, look no further because he is right here and he is available. He can give us all our heart's desires. He can give clarity to the unclear. He can provide answers to those who need answers. He wants to be a friend to the friendless, a father to the fatherless. He wants to be a shelter to the homeless and a healer to someone who's in need of healing. He wants to be deliverance to the bound and victory to the one who thinks that he's been defeated. He wants to be freedom to the one that's captive. He wants to be a way for the wayward. He wants to be whatever we are void of. All we have to do is accept his invitation to attend the feast and eat. God has reserved a table, a seat 
at the table for you and me. And no one can take our place because it has our nameplate on it, and it is unique for you and me. In closing, I leave you with this excerpt from a book titled Precious Gem in the Tabernacle by Reverend B.R. Hicks, and it reads, the showbread literally means the bread of faces. There are a few other meanings, but I'm going to pick out this, this one to state my point. The bread of faces, which is Jesus Christ. It is noteworthy to see that the word faces is plural. Jesus is the face of our Godhead. When we see him, we see the Father. The more we grow spiritually, the more of his bread of faces we can partake of, and thereby the more we see the Father. What a privilege to go to the holy place and eat of the bread of faces. But how sad that so few take the time and pay the price to live in the holy place and eat of this bread that's provided for us. I won't, you know, I won't lie, you know, for me and for others, this way requires sacrifice, discipline, pain, sometimes suffering, but it is also lovely, sweet, joyful, and peaceful. For his way is easy and his burden is light. I encourage you, saints, to remember the table of showbread. It is there for you. All you have to do is come, sit, fellowship, eat, and then repeat. May the Lord add a blessing to this word on today. Vince, I'll now turn it over to you.